Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Changing your life one story at a time. This is the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast with Editor-in-Chief Amy Newmark. Hey, it's Amy Newmark, and it's Friend Friday on the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast. And today we are talking to Mark and Maggie Damon, who were kind enough to share their amazing, miraculous love story in our latest bestseller, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Believe in Miracles. We're going to talk about that story, which I promise will give you goosebumps, and also about Mark's latest movie, The Last Full Measure, which is that amazing movie that came out a couple of months ago about an unrecognized Vietnam War hero. So Mark and Maggie, welcome to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast. Hi, Amy. So fun to be here. Amy, thank you so much. We love it. Well, we are very honored to have you on. I just have to tell everybody about your backgrounds because they're so amazing. So Mark Damon began his career as an actor, and he appeared as the lead in dozens of so-called spaghetti westerns, as well as plenty of other types of films. By the time he was 40, though, he had become a producer, and he was the man behind some of the most original and award-winning movies of our time. Das Boat, Nine and a Half Weeks, Short Circuit, The Lost Boys, Monster, and many more. And he also basically invented the way that independent films are financed, and that transformed the movie industry so that it wasn't so controlled by the big studios. And Maggie Damon, who married Mark decades ago, was a film star too, and you might have seen her listed as Margaret Markov as the lead in many films, appearing with Pam Greer and others. And it was one of those starring roles that led to the extraordinary story that they're going to share with us today. So. Let's talk about the story. And I, I have to tell everybody that the reason this story made it into Chicken Soup for the Soul, Believe in Miracles, was my husband and I were having dinner with Mark and Maggie one night, and they told us this story at dinner. And I said, I have to have that story in our next book. I have to have it. And they didn't believe I was serious because I guess being in Hollywood, a lot of people tell you things that aren't true, but I really meant it. Yeah, we, did, we didn't believe it. We totally forgot about it until you came back to us and said, we're ready. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And I wrote down what you told me so that you could then edit it because I was so determined to have it. All right, so let's start. Let's talk about this story. Mark, why don't you start off and you guys can go back and forth and just tell this story. I mean, you're actors. You know how to do this. Yeah, and we've said this story millions of times. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it kind of all began in Rome. I had been acting there for a number of years, did a lot of spaghetti westerns, and after about 20 years acting in about 50 films that I had starred in, I felt that I should be moving on to something else, and I talked to my old friend, the producer, Roger Corman, who said, yeah, Mark, I have a film that we can do in Italy. He said, you put up half the budget. I said, okay, Roger. And he said, I said, what's it about? He said, it's called The Arena. It's like a female Spartacus. It should be done in Rome. And we have 
two stars already attached, Pam Greer and Julia Ward. So I said, okay, fine, Roger, I'll raise the money and let's do it. About a week later, Roger calls me and says, Mark, I have great news. I said, what's that, Roger? He said, Julia Ward can't do the film anymore, but we got Margaret Markoff. And I said, oh, okay, great, Roger, who's Margaret Markoff? He said, well, she just starred with Pam Greer in Black Mama, White Mama. It's a big success with us, so we're so lucky to get her. And I said, fine. He said, the only thing is, She's going to cost us $750 a week instead of $500 a week. And I said, Roger, that's not a problem as long as you pay the difference. He said, no, no, we split it. It's 50-50. I said, no, Roger. Margaret Markov might mean something to you, but here in Italy and the rest of the world, she doesn't mean anything. And he really got angry at me and hung up the phone. I thought for a couple of seconds, I'd known Roger for years. He had directed me in a film called The Fall of the House of Usher, and I got a Golden Globe Award for that. So I picked up the phone again, and I said, Roger, okay, I'll split $125 each for the extra cost of Margaret Markov. He said, great. Then, <laughs> as I think back, if I had gone that extra $125 a week, I might not have had my wife, my family, my kids, my career. I mean, it, it shows how strange things can happen, how wonderfully strange they can happen. At any rate, Margaret Markov flew into Rome. I went to meet her and Pam Greer at um, the motel where they were staying in. Can I say something? Of course. (laughs) (laughs) So Pam Greer and I got on a plane and went to Rome. It was my first trip to Rome. I said, oh, my God, this is fantastic. Uh, What an experience is this going to be? So we go into this lovely hotel that they had for for the two of us. And that night we're going out with the film producer, who I don't know from Adam, but they say, okay, he's going to take you out to dinner. So in walks the the most handsome man I have ever laid my eyes on. He was so gorgeous, handsome. And so he took Pam and I out to dinner that night. And, you know, I, I didn't really think he was very interested in me because he put all his attention on Pam. There was a reason for that. <laughs> I, I, I was so tongue-tied with Maggie. She was so gorgeous. When I saw her, she had blonde hair down to almost her knees, and I was tongue-tied. I didn't know what to do. So I, I talked to Pam that entire night because I, I was so afraid of saying something wrong to her. <laughs> well, in any case, it didn't work out too well for me because I figured, well, you know, he's not very interested in me, so it's it's fine. I love Pam and great. Okay, so in any case, what's very odd and different was that he started calling me and saying, hey, come on, let's go out for dinner. Let's go to lunch. Let's let's uh, find out about each other. And, and I said, wow, maybe he, he is kind of interested in meeting with me and, and being with me. So Kind of interested, called madly in love. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we went out to dinner, and uh, we were talking all the time together about a lot of different things. But at one dinner, one night, we were sitting outside in Rome at this beautiful restaurant, you know, where they have little tables outside. And he looks at me and he says, well, let's find out the most we can about each other. I said, yeah. And he said, well, okay, well, let's just start with what's your favorite movie? And I said, oh, oh, well, okay, I don't remember the name of this movie. All I can tell you is I'm one of 10 kids. I wanted to be an actress. I was the only one that wanted to be an actress. 
And so I watched all the movies I could. So I thought to myself about this movie that I had seen, but I couldn't remember the name of it. I couldn't remember anything about it but one scene. In this scene, this most... Hey, hey, hang on, hang on. Before you get into that, the fact is that she couldn't remember what her favorite movie was, I thought was really odd. (laughs) (laughs) But wait, I have to to just say I was 12 years old. And now, 12 years later, I'm 24, sitting with this man, a little tongue-tied, but okay, I did forget the name of the movie. But I remembered the most important part. I remembered the scene that, that got me very interested. It was a scene of a man walking out of a Victorian building that was burning down. The smoke was rising up around his knees. He was stumbling out of this building. He was the most handsome man I think I'd ever seen. Black hair, green eyes, Victorian shirt. And I I fell in love instantly. And I called my mom. Get this. I called my mother into the room. And I said, Mom, Mom, look at that man. She said, yes. I said, isn't he handsome? Yes. I'm going to marry him. I love him. She said, yes, dear, of course you will. Yes, yes. And she patted me on the shoulder. (laughs) Okay. Now Mark is going to tell you what happened next. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what happens, I'm listening to this, trying to figure out what film she's talking about. And when she talks about coming out into this swamp with the burning building behind and all the smoke coming up, I suddenly thought, oh, my God, could that be? I said, that's me. I said, Maggie, I am your Prince Charming come true. I said, that man was the star of the fall of the House of Usher, Mark Damon. And she said, you said to me, that man was me. In the fall of the House of Usher, and I went, "Are you serious? That is the name of the movie." Oh, the you fall remembered of the House it, of Usher. right? Isn't that incredible? That story is so incredible. That's why we had to put it in the book. But I, but I have something to add. A couple of days later, Maggie and I were in a forest right outside of Rome, and she was wearing kind of a a scarf around her head, and her hair was in pigtails instead of long hair that goes below her knees. And I looked at her, I suddenly, and she told me afterwards, I got white in my face. And I said, oh my God. And I told her, I said, I dreamed of you when I was seven years old. And at that time I was 40, although I lied to her and told her I was 39 when I first met her. (laughs) 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 And I remembered that dream for 33 years. That young girl who came to me and said, don't worry, one day you'll meet me and we'll, we'll be in love. We'll find each other. The dream, the quote in the dream was, seriously, I remember it, of course, my whole life. He said, I said to him, don't worry, we'll find each other. Don't worry. And we did find each other. And I have to say another really, really interesting thing. The person who directed The Fall of the House of Usher is Roger Corman. The same Roger Corman who 12 years later sent me to Rome to meet Mark. And talked Mark into paying extra for you. Yeah, and and he even (laughs) paid more money for me. There you go. And he still is. I bet bet you've gotten a lot more expensive than $125 a week extra. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that is awesome. That's why I love that story so much. Now, 
We're going to come back after a break for a commercial because we're going to talk about a new thing, which is The Last Full Measure, which is a Chicken Soup for the Soul entertainment film now. So we'll be right back. We're back with Mark and Maggie Damon, and we're talking about Mark's latest film through his film company that has joined the Chicken Soup for the Soul entertainment family. So, Mark, I was blown away by the Rotten Tomato ratings that The Last Full Measure got. Of all the films that I've made, and I've made probably about 70 films produced, it's probably the one that's given me the most pleasure and one that I'm most proud of because of how much people love the film. Um, When the film ends, people are so moved and they've written hundreds and hundreds of letters to myself and to our director about how important this film is because it's really devoted to our veterans, survivors of the war. And although it goes into flashback on what happened, and and it's basically the story of one great hero, uh, his name is William Pitsenbarger, or Pitts, who during the Vietnam War in 1966, he lowered himself into an ambush from a helicopter and saved the lives of around 60 men. And he was afterwards awarded the Air Force Cross and all of the survivors who were still living said that he must get the Medal of Honor. And it's a story of how they banded together to get him the Congressional Medal of Honor and Bill Clinton did award it to him some 34 years later in the year 2000. And it's, um, <laughs> I remember when I first read the script and saw the title, I didn't know what it meant. And so I asked the director and he said, he said, you should read the Gettysburg Address. I said, of course I've read the Gettysburg Address. He says, well, that's why we shouldn't change the title. <laughs> and it's true that what Lincoln said was so that those men who give their last full measure of devotion shall not have died in vain. And when I read that, I said, we can't change the title. But we were so lucky because we attracted a cast that is unlike any for an independent film. You know, independent films are harder and harder to make today, to raise the budgets, to raise the prints and advertising. We were able to get a cast of nine actors who had been, who had either won Oscars or been nominated for Oscars as Samuel Jackson, Sebastian Stan, William Hurt, Ed Harris, the late Peter Fonda, it was his last film, Christopher Plummer, Diane Ladd, Bradley Whitford, just an incredible cast. But as I say, I feel if I never ever really physically produce a picture and have it's tough to physically produce a picture and be on set every day, uh, I will have been so proud that I'd done this film because it just deserved to be made. And it was like it was the last full measure for Peter Fonda, wasn't it? Because he died before the film was even released, but he got to see it. He got to see it anyway before he died. And my understanding is that tears were streaming down his face. He was so moved and so glad he had been a part of it. He was so moved he could hardly say a word. Well, all of us. As I say, it's been a terrific experience. It was produced by our company, Foresight Unlimited, which now is a subsidiary of Chicken Soup for the Soul, and I'm very, very happy about that. I, I know the people involved in Chicken Soup for the Soul. I, I know the 
chairman's wife. <laughs> that would Amy be Mark. Mark. <laughs> 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 yeah, well, we're really glad to have foresight in the chicken soup for the soul entertainment family now. And we're excited that the last full measure will be coming out on pay-per-view and then eventually on one of the streaming services. And we're just very proud to be associated with this film. And we were, I remember when it first came out and we were looking at the Rotten Tomato ratings, we were like, 97%, 96%, 97%. We couldn't believe it. I mean, these are amazing audience ratings for a film. I I agree. And um, as I say, for those of, of people listening in who were not able to see it in theaters, they should definitely see it on video, um, on streaming, on whatever, because it's a film that I don't think they'll quickly forget. It's just so powerful. Yeah, exactly. Very important film to have made. And of course, those Vietnam veterans who are getting respect now didn't always get that respect right when they came back from the war. That was a very peculiar time in American history as far as the treatment of veterans went. And we deal with that very much in the film, especially when Samuel Jackson is saying, he almost would rather go back to the war again instead of staying in the U.S. where Vietnam veterans were mocked. Uh, I, I think our film could not have come out 20 years ago because we were still nursing our wounds from Vietnam. But I think the, the American public now has begun to understand the truth of the war, why it happened, and they don't blame the poor soldiers who had to serve their country it had nothing to do with the politics of the situation. So I think the film was right for this time period and would not have been right some 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm so glad to have had you both on the podcast today, Mark and Maggie, talking about your miraculous love story and then talking about this amazing film, The Last Full Measure. So I want to thank you both so much for having joined us today. And I know we're going to get together for dinner the next time I'm out in LA and we'll continue. And maybe you'll tell me some more amazing stories and I'll force you into more Chicken Soup for the Soul books. Who knows? (laughs) Good. We loved it. We had such a good time with you, Amy. Thank you. Oh, well, thanks so much. We're going to say goodbye to Mark and Maggie now, and I'm going to sign off now with our listeners. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast today. You will find this new book about miracles at Walmart, Target, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and wherever else you like to get your books. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.